If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And over the next few weeks, um, we're going to look specifically at Ephesians chapter 6 and putting on the full armor of God. Several months ago, this passage uh, stood out in my heart, and I was beginning to prepare to preach on putting on the whole armor of God, specifically Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And for some reason, as I sat in my study and as I was looking at this passage, it never quite could come together. It just, it, it never right quite clicked in my heart. I could never quite get it to work out. It never really just made uh, made sense to bring it and, and come on a Sunday morning with this particular passage of Scripture. It appears the Lord was waiting for something, and it appears that this time is the time in which I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6, and I want us to look at the whole armor of God. I want us to be people who put on and don the full armor of God. And I want us to walk through these next uh, passages together over the next few weeks. But because before we put on the whole armor of God, we need to recognize why we're putting on the whole armor of God. It's easy for us to say, hey, just put on the whole armor of God. Just put it on when you wake up in the morning, get your armor on and let's go. But until we understand why we don the armor of God, I believe we're, we're more hesitant or more um, uh, not as passionate about putting on the whole armor of God daily, waking up, putting it on, preparing for what lies ahead. And so today I bring to you Ephesians chapter 6, and we will be for the next several weeks in this particular passage of Scripture looking at the whole armor of God. But specifically this morning, we're going to ask the question, why? Why are we putting on the whole armor of God? What is the importance of the full armor of God, and why, and what are we battling against? And so if you have your Bibles, if you either want to pull them out, turn them on, uh, whatever it looks like for you to, to follow along in your copy of God's Word this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. Lord, help us. We come to your word with the necessity and need to have you lead us and guide us to be nourished by your word. So as we open it, as we cut open to it, as we look into it, would it nourish our hearts and prepare us for what lies ahead? Lord, would you recognize in our hearts the need for your word to lead and guide us, to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway? Lord, lead us now as we open your word, as we study your word, and as we leave this parking lot different than when we came in. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing that you see and that I read often is verse 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord 
How many times in Scripture have we read and talked about in the book of Philippians over and over the call to be strong and be mighty and be courageous, not in ourselves, but in the Lord? Y'all familiar with that? All God's people said amen. I can't hear you anything, so I need you to say amen or something. Yes, we've talked about it. We've heard be strong in the Lord often. And why would Paul say this? Right? I mean, look for a moment. He says be strong in the Lord. We've seen Paul to say rejoice always. Again, I would say rejoice. We've seen Jesus tell his disciples, do not be afraid. We've seen uh, the Lord tell to Joshua, be strong and courageous. These gospel writers, these biblical writers are reminded from the hand of God that we live in a difficult world and we will need to be strong and courageous and stand firm thus in the Lord. Now, I don't want to belabor this again, but it seems like it just keeps coming back up. And so I want to keep hitting it until I get it deep down in my own heart. But what does Paul say? Finally, be strong in the Lord. Y'all remember, you've been here. You know, we we bought this t-shirt before, but we're going to do it again. Okay. Be strong in the Lord. And if we go back, we see in Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over and over again the proclamations for God's people to be strong, not in their own might and their own power, but in the Lord. And if you don't believe me, believe God's Word. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of all the bitterness in souls for each his own sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. In a moment where David felt like the people were coming against him, that they were going to stone him, what did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. Psalm 32, 11, be glad. My gracious, we've got a long way to go. Be glad. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 33, 1, shout for joy. In the Lord, O you righteous, praise befits the upright. Psalm 34, 2, my soul makes its boast. In the Lord, exalting His salvation. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend uh, faithfulness. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see a pattern emerging from Scripture? But we're not quite done yet. Psalm 64, 10, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in Him. Let all the upright in heart exult. Psalm 97, 12, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 112, 7, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 115, 10, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Psalm 118, 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Are you seeing a theme and a pattern emerge? We're not quite done yet. Psalm 137, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption. Psalm 146, 5, blessed is he whose help is in God of Jacob, whose help is in the Lord, his God. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Isaiah 29, 19, the meek shall obtain fresh joy and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Ephesians 5.8, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And all the parents of the house the Lord said in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents, for this is right. 
Philippians 1.14, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, they become confident in the Lord by Paul's imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Do you see that in Ephesians 6.10, before we get to the full armor of God, we see our first priority is to be in the Lord. Friends, we can build a house, but until our house is built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, we cannot move on to latter things. We can't keep pushing forward. We can't go to the next thing unless we are firmly rooted in the Lord. Until you are strengthened by the Lord, with the Lord, for the Lord. We cannot move on to other things. We cannot fight the enemy. We cannot stand against the enemy unless we are first and foremost standing firm in the Lord. And to today... Friends, as we nourish ourselves by good food, as we nourish our bodies with good food, as we go to counselors and as we get around good brothers and sisters and nourish our souls and our, our emotions with good people and good situations, how are you nourishing your soul? Are you standing strong on the promises of Christ Jesus? Are you standing on the solid bedrock of Jesus and the Lord? Are you standing firm Thus in the Lord. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is good news that I'm not standing firm today in the strength of my own might. You're not standing firm in the strength of your own power because you know as well as I do that if we were standing in our own power and our own might, we would be tossed to and from in this world. But thanks be to God and his might. I mean, look at what Ephesians 1, 19-20 tells us just before we get to this in Ephesians 6 of what kind of might He is, of what kind of power He has. Paul writes, And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe? So the same question could be for me and you. What kind of might, what kind of power is out there? How do I stand firm in His strength? What is available to me? Well, Paul answers the question earlier in Ephesians 1. What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might. The proof of it in verse 20, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Friends, the strength of your might of standing firm in the Lord is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same working that's in you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so when you struggle, when your feet feel like they are wavering, when you cannot take another step, when you don't know the next right step of obedience in your life, know that you are walking in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that conquered the grave. And so you are not standing firm in your own strength, but in the strength of His might. But we need to answer this question. Why? In whom are we fighting against? What are we fighting against? Why are we standing firm? Back in high school when I played sports, uh, about three or four days a week, I was in the gym working out. Again, obviously you can never tell at this moment that I ever worked out a day in my life. But for three or four days out of the week, I'm working out, uh, lifting weights in the gym, running laps, making sure my body is ready to go, my endurance is up, because I knew around the bend games were coming. I wanted to be prepared for when the day came, when the buzzer blew, and it was time to play on the field, that my body was ready. 
that I was in the best possible shape that I could possibly be, that I was ready to go, that I would not grow tired, that I would not be weary. And so I lifted weights. I got in the gym because I saw what was right around the corner. So daily, grinding it out, daily in the gym, daily, the brothers around you say, you got this, keep going, keep fighting. We know that there's a battle ahead. We're going to beat those other teams. We're going to win this battle. We are not going to lose these games. See, as sure as I understood, as sure as you understand that there is a battle ahead, for us spiritually, we have to understand that there is a battle ahead. And as you look at verse 12, we understand the battle that is ahead, who we are at fight and at war with. Look at verse 11. Put on then the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And, and this is why. This is why we wake up in the morning and we don the whole armor of God. Verse 12 is why we get on our knees in battle against the, the forces of evil in our world. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm just going to tell you one of the greatest lies the enemy could tell you is that there is no spiritual battle around you. If you look at 2 Corinthians 4.4, we we see an indication of what kind of battles are raging around us. Paul writes, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We see there's an enemy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy that is blinding the eyes of unbelievers daily and hourly to miss the gloriousness of the gospel around us. Friends, we're at battle, not against flesh and blood. Not against people, not against other people. We're at war, at battle, in the spiritual places against all that would seek to do the kingdom of God harm and evil. Can I tell you how this demonstrates itself in my life and how I've seen it over the past few weeks or whatnot? Can I have to tell you personally where our family feels the most spiritual battles? Sunday morning. You feel it? Sunday morning. When do, you, when do the Bethay family feel the most spiritually attacked? It's Sunday morning. When we are getting our kids ready, when we're getting our family together, when we know what's coming ahead, when, when the enemy knows that there's a wonderful warfare happening for the souls of men happening on the churches all across, all around, the enemy would come to seek to destroy, to kill, to distract on Sunday morning. But do you know where else he would come? Saturday night. Sunday church is always a Saturday decision, is it not? Those days in which the games go long, when you're frustrated against what happens on a Saturday against ball fields and whatnot, that we make a decision about whether or not we come to church and be together with God's people. Do you know where else I see spiritual battles happening all around? And we see spiritual battles happening for the souls of men, battling for your soul and my soul for marriages all around. I tell you that as I come back from retreats and I come back from conferences when my heart is so on fire for the word of God, do you know that it's in those moments when I return home that the enemy would come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy? And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be prepared. Before we even get to the reality of the armor of God, we have to be ready and sober-minded and watchful. 
The book of James tells us to be sober-minded and watchful. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Several years ago, our house was broken into for the second time in the string of about six months. That night, before we went to bed, you better believe that I put our refrigerator in front of the door. The refrigerator's in front of the door, and I laid in bed at night sleeping with one eye open, and I was ready to go. If there was a a knock outside, if there was a car door shut, if there were some lights on in a different place, I was ready to go. In an instant, if anything happened, my heart, my adrenaline was going, I was ready to go. I was sober-minded to the reality that somebody was trying to get into our house. To this day, our house is littered with security cameras all around. I am ready. If someone wants to come into my house, we are ready for you. I'm sober-minded to the reality that there is evil out there trying to get into our house. I am ready to go, sober-minded. But in the same way, we are sober-minded to the reality that we have an enemy who comes to seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you sober-minded and watchful over your children, praying against the enemy's attack over them? Are you sober-minded and watchful over our church, praying the Lord would protect? Are you sober-minded and watchful over your marriages, praying for your wife, praying for your husband? Are we sober-minded, watchful, and ready, recognizing the reality? As you come to verse 13, as Paul has written, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You get to verse 13. What do you see? You see the word therefore. And anytime you see the word therefore, what do you do? You see what it's there for, right? So you see the word therefore says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. And so you see the word therefore, before we get to the armor of God, is a reminder, and it's a stake in the ground to say the reason why we pick up the whole armor of God, the reason why we wake up in the morning donning the armor of God is because we are in a battle daily. The enemy would come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy, to distract you from the mission of God and the purpose of God. You are in a battle daily for your thoughts, your affection, and for the souls of men. And so when you get to verse 13 and Paul says, therefore, he's telling you, look in light of all this. Look in light of the reality of the world that we live in and be ready, be sober-minded, be watchful, be on guard, be prepared. The greatest lie the enemy could tell you is that there is no battle around you. Friends, we take up our guard, not against people, not against flesh and blood, but against an enemy that would come to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul finishes in the middle of this chapter with Ephesians chapter 3. He prays over the Ephesian church and he gives them these beautiful words. That if you are today, if you are today struggling deeply in your heart to stand firm, if you don't know if you can take the next right step of obedience, if you don't know if you can stand firm, if you don't have enough strength in your own self, if you don't know if you can keep taking the next step, if you don't know if you can do what it takes for the Lord has called you to do it. Listen to Ephesians 3 and let this be our closing prayer into our invitation. Paul writes that according to the riches of his glory, 
that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Listen closely. Listen deeply in your heart that you may be able with strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, not to us, but to him who is able. Listen closely, not to us who are able, but to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we were ask or think, according to the power, according to his power that is at work within us. Did you hear that? According to his power that is at work within you today. According to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be all glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Dear Lord, help us. Lord, we recognize right now the reality. Lord, that we are in a battle. Not against flesh and blood. But we are reminded that there is an enemy who has come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy. An enemy that the Bible describes is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Lord, but in this moment, we also recognize that when God's people are on mission for God's purpose, there is an enemy that would want nothing more than to, than to distract, divide, and damage the witness of the church. Or when marriages want to come together and thrive and shine for the kingdom of God, we know that there is nothing more than the devil would want than to undercut the foundations of that marriage. Or we know where there is mission work and wonderful things happening for the kingdom of God. There is an enemy that wants nothing more than to thwart God's work in this world. And so, Lord, in this moment, we confess that we cannot stand firm on our own. The strength of our own might is paltry in comparison to your strength. So we ask right now, Lord, that your strength would fill our hearts. And as we walk into these next few weeks of looking at the armor of God, of taking it up, of being prepared daily for the flaming darts of the evil one, that we would be sober-minded and watchful, that we would be vigilant and on our knees in prayer, that we would not grow weary in our well-doing, that we would not grow tired of being on our knees in prayer for the needs that are all around us, that we would recognize the battle for the souls of men and women around us, that we would recognize the battle for our affections, for temptations that are around us, and we would be sober-minded to pick up the full armor of God in preparation. That we would not be apathetic to the reality of what's happening. 
Well, the good news is that we have, we have the playbook of our enemy. We're prepared. We know the schemes. And so, Lord, we know the battle plan is to pick up that whole armor of God, to be saddled with your truth, to stand on the authority of your word, to be ready, to stand firm, thus, in the Lord, in the strength of his might, not our own. And so, Lord, we praise you. We thank you that we stand here today not having to do it on our own. As we look around, we recognize that we are all pointing one another to King Jesus. And so, Lord, would you continue to be our guide? We thank you for what you've done in First Baptist Church in this wonderful beacon of light for the past 192 years. We thank you for your faithfulness to this church for generations. Lord, I thank you for how I see you at work right now in this church. Lord, I praise you for how you are at work in the hearts of people right now in this church, that the lost are being found, that people are wanting to be saved and baptized and go on mission. Lord, we thank you for how you are at work right now, October 10th, 2021, in this church right now. And Lord, I thank you for what you will continue to do and the faithfulness that you will show to this church as we are faithful to you for generations past when we're here. Lord, help us. We come to you in outstretched arms and we, we pray what we sing in this church, Lord, would you be glorified in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.